Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, President of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Then to welcome Dr. John Mark Yates to the podcast. Dr. Yates serves as Dean of Students and Associate Professor of Church History here at Midwestern Seminary in Spurgeon College. Dr. Yates, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to be in the studio with you. Obviously, your friend, a colleague here. We've been together here now uh, a number of years. I guess, is it about five years? Uh, this this month will actually be five years. Okay, I'm better than I thought. Okay, yeah, you're we're on calling it. this on the fly. Well, <laughs> we're recording today. You preached in chapel earlier today here on campus, and uh, I I was up introducing you, and I thought I think this is right at his five year anniversary, but I, I did not know how specific I could or should be. Yeah. Uh, so man, we're so thankful God has you here and Angie and your four beautiful children, and I cannot believe it's been five years. It's been a whirlwind, and just to see all that God's been doing here, it's been so phenomenal. You you get. Very few moments in life to be a part of something like this. It's been amazing to be here. Well, you're kind. Hey, since it's just the two of us here, before we get into uh, really the topic of the podcast proper, uh, talk shop about Kansas City a touch. I'm always raving on Kansas City, how much we love living here. And you guys, I know y'all have really immersed yourself in the city as well. Everything from uh, uh, Sporting KC to, uh, yeah, so just brag on Kansas City for a moment. Man, Kansas City has been fantastic, and we have loved the city. Just the flow of life here is fantastic. It's a great Midwestern vibe. There's all kinds. It's a foodie city, which my wife and I love. Um, it's also a place where uh, the the sports culture, as you mentioned, is a lot of fun. So whether you're a baseball fan with the Royals, even though they're not doing so well right now, or a Chiefs fan. We call it rebuilding. John rebuilding. Mark. There we go. Okay. Since I don't follow baseball. But, uh, you know, you got the Chiefs doing fantastic, and Sporting KC is number two in the West, heading right into the playoffs. So we're super excited about that. And so you guys recently invited my wife, Karen, and I to go uh, to the game with y'all. We, we couldn't make it. I guess I should call it the match. Do I yes, say the game, match, the match? It, it'll work. Okay, okay. And to me, soccer, when I was a kid, I'm now I'm now 40, actually 41, um, that that was a sports life. I just, it wasn't in my world as a kid. I didn't play soccer. It wasn't as popular. But, man, it's really come on the past, say, 20 or so years. It's huge. This morning, actually, I was listening to a uh, radio show, and they were saying that, at least in viewership and connectivity, soccer is actually more popular this year than baseball. That is amazing. So that's a rapid change culturally for our country, uh, as well as um, actually something that is a better game. But uh, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll just move right along here. So we're here in the studio today. We're talking about the preacher as interim. Okay. Right. So in essence, talking about the topic of being an interim pastor. So in our podcast, uh, our, our our listeners tend to be people in ministry, pastors, staff members, seminary students, people engaged heavily in the local church. And uh, some of these people have been interim. Some of them will be an interim. Some of them are currently in a church where there is an interim. As I say this, I am serving as an interim right. pastor at First Baptist Jackson. Obviously, uh, you're, you're helping me there. You're preaching for me about once a month when, I, when I'm out of pocket. And so uh, you got to know that church. What is more, over the years, you have served as an interim uh, in different churches. Uh, not too recently here, finished up an interim just up the road in St. Joseph, Missouri. Right. So at uh, Frederick Boulevard Baptist Church. Great church, fantastic place. It was a joy to serve there. Of course, uh, famous in some circles as the former church of Mike Fries. That's right. <laughs> and uh, you got to go up there and uh, and follow, not immediately after him, but a, but a few years after him. So, so yeah, let's talk about the interim pastor. And I guess for me, John Mark, over the next 20 minutes or so, I, I want to just talk about this in a pretty florid way. And, and really, though, try within that to dial in a touch on how one should go about the ministry of an interim, okay? So if you are an interim pastor or if you want to be an interim pastor, uh, how one should think of that that role, uh, right. what one should set out to accomplish, what one should set out to not accomplish. 
Um, yeah, and of course, I have a lot I want to say on this as well. I've been an interim pastor for several churches over the years. First Baptist Jackson, Mississippi is where I am now. And so to me, it, it just, it's very fulfilling to preach God's Word to the same people every week. In fact, that's, that's right. what I miss most, uh-huh. amongst other things I miss most, about pastoring a local church. And, uh, and getting to do that, rub shoulders to God's people, get to know them, uh, right. is particularly rewarding for me. So I guess just the big picture, um, man, tell me the big picture like for you, why you've enjoyed being at Entral. I think the biggest thing besides the personal uh, just joy of watching the Holy Spirit transform the lives of people in a congregation as you preach consistently through the Word of God, and that's amazing. But the real root of why we do this is to bring stability and health to the local church. It's all about the local church. And during a time of transition, it's a season that many churches can find themselves in a, in a period of confusion. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to do a search? There's all of these questions. And during this, churches can press pause on ministry. We're never supposed to press pause on our ministry to our community. So a good interim pastor or a good interim structure should allow uh, us to be able to come through and to encourage a church to continue to put the, their feet to the, the gas pedal, to continue to move forward, to, to reach evangelistically into their community, to stay focused on missions, uh, and to grow in their discipleship programs. It should be a time of growth instead of a time of stopping uh, what they were doing before. So one of the questions you, you have to ask is what all interim does. Right. Uh, and we'll talk about that here for a moment. You know, I'm reminded when I came to Midwestern Seminary, as president, uh, David Dockery, a mutual friend of ours, mm-hmm. who's been very kind, very supportive of our work here. I remember him telling me, he said, you know, Jason, your tendency will be to uh, to overestimate what can be accomplished in one year, meaning the first year, but to underestimate what can be accomplished in five years. Mm-hmm. And man, those words were so prophetic. Right. I mean, there were things I was wanting to see happen the first year and just took a little while to get myself situated, to get myself oriented, to learn the institution, to learn the internal workings of the institution, to build a team, all those sorts of things just take a little more time than one would hope. But to look back now, I'm, I'm finishing up my sixth year, to look back at what God's given us those first five and now right. six years. It's really been more than even I had dreamt of. And look, I'm a, I'm a big dreamer. You know, I, I tend to not set small <laughs> goals. Right. And, uh, and so for me, that was very instructive. I thought about that a lot as it relates to my work as an interim pastor. One of the fundamental questions you have to wrestle with is, what is right to actually take on as interim? How much change? Another elaboration here. I mean, how much change should you undertake? Right. You have to triage the situation, work your way through that. Really, church to church, congregation to congregation. Help us to think clearly about that. That that is a fantastic question because that's exactly what we want to do. And when we do this, we want to think um, almost like uh, doctors as they take their their oath to do no harm. That's what we want to do is no harm. So we want to bring what's good to a congregation. So every church, as they're in the midst of a transition, will as they work with a, an interim, we should be very clear about our expectations up front. Uh, for some, that means bringing stability to the pulpit and allowing an excellent leadership team that's already in place to be able just to roll uh, forward until the next pastor is found. For some congregations, that means you need to get into some very detailed things. And in different congregations that I've served as interim, that meant having to get into budgetary issues, having to get into personnel issues, having to get into uh, the weeds with a lot of those things. So it definitely is a church-by-church basis. What we want, and what my goal always is as an interim pastor, is quite simply, I want that church to be running 
the race, the race that's set out before them, and so that the next pastor has breathing room so that he can come in and just run with the people and get to know them for a while without having to fix anything major. So obviously he's going to the new pastor will have his own stamp and other things that they're going to want to do, but we want to get a great platform and movement for him so that he's able to to get the ball down the field, so to speak, uh, and be able to uh, to to affect uh, ministry in that community in a really good and healthy way. Yeah, I think of it a little bit by way of analogy, like uh, getting uh, debris out of your yard after after a bad storm. And if a storm comes through and you got you know six big branches down and and and, and other smaller limbs and then some leaves, I mean you, you have to kind of triage the order of that. That's and right. Maybe especially if you have a limited amount of time where you're thinking, okay, we're having dinner company over in two hours, and we want the front yard to look presentable, and we just had wind blow through. And so, what what can I reasonably accomplish in a short period of time? So you're, you're looking first for the big things. That, Man, I need to get this branch off our sidewalk. I need to get this limb out of our driveway. Kind of clearing the big pieces so the place can function and look most presentable. Uh, it's kind of like that way in the local church. You can't fix everything. You don't have the relational credibility. You, you don't have the institutional knowledge. Some of those things that are vision-related, really the next pastor needs to shape right. and build that. So you don't want to preempt what God may lead him to do, may lead the church to do through him and with him. But at the same time, you don't want to leave him with a big, glaring issue, That's right. a big mess. And look, a lot of that is the interim's own ability, how much time he has, his his his, his gifting for conflict, if there's conflict-related, his ability to actually do heavy lifting or not. But but the bottom line is, I guess, you have to be thinking about how do I best get this church ready, and is there a staff member that, that the church should have dealt with a, a delinquent personnel issue? Is that there? Is there something else that's glaring? Is there a financial crisis that you can help to alleviate? Whatever it is, you have to be asking yourself, how do I best position this church for the next season of health but not being in neutral during this current season. That's right. So how to, you know, again, helping people, to me, refocus on what is the purpose of the church. So often I'll do a, a series of sermons where we're, we'll look at the text and understand the church is God's plan, always has been God's plan. That's not going to change. So how do we embrace that as a congregation? Go back to the church's vision statements that are often outlined in their church constitution or their bylaws and say, this is what as a church we've always said. So let's walk together in this and, and re-engage people in those ideas so they understand that there is a purpose and a plan, and then being able to walk through with them. Oftentimes that then begins to expose those major pieces that we have to triage. Like this is this is here, this, is, this has got to be handled. Some of them may be physical, like we really need to clean up the building. We need a fresh coat of paint. We need a roof. We need to repave the parking lot. Uh, those are all things that I've had to do at interims before. Sometimes, uh, again, it may be something that's a little more difficult that we need to work with teams uh, that are there, that are present, that have led well, and but just helping them pull the trigger maybe on a personnel change. Dr. Yates, let's pause just for a moment for a, uh, a brief word of update from Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry contact. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today. All right, Dr. Yates, so we're here in the middle of a conversation on the preacher as interim. So 
to, to get at a different issue here, as an interim pastor, uh, it's not easy. It can be a blessing. I mean, the interim pastor, you don't really own everything. I mean, you're more of like a, it's more like renting a house than owning a house as far as that sense of personal uh, stewardship and, 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 and care and ownership you have. So stepping into that, what are some pitfalls to avoid? What are, what are challenges interims face? I think one of the biggest ones is uh, once you get in and once you start loving the people, after you know three or four months, it's easy to start casting vision and start saying, oh, this is where we should go and oh, this is what we should do. And we want to always be careful about that because the more that you insert yourself into that uh, mix, the harder it is going to be for the next guy. So I think that was one of the, the biggest temptations for people as they walk into these roles. We want to be very strategic too. I think there's another component where we can just kind of sit back and just allow everything to happen and just kind of be the guy who's there on a Sunday morning. As an interim, this is an opportunity for the church to really profit from the expertise of the interim. And that interim can actually bless that congregation with some consulting, for lack of a better word. How are you doing your books? How are you handling your um, your church constitution and your bylaws and operating uh, in a legal frame? How are you handling your policies and procedures and be able to give a fresh set of eyes? The church doesn't have to implement everything, but at least be able to say, hey, these are some things that I would see that might be some concerns. Can we address these or can we form a committee to maybe look at these so that we're creating, again, a strong platform for the next guy to come in without having to have major problems? So let's say you've been to the church, you're an interim pastor, you've been there six months. And, and you begin to see there, there are more challenges there than you thought, okay? You've been there six months. The hood's popped. You really know people. You've heard uh, word in the hallway about challenges, and then you got into it. And you realize, man, they're, 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 okay, here's a big challenge, a big challenge. Perhaps it's an issue, let's say, of sexual sin in the church. Mm. Maybe it's a, you know, a, big, a big monster kind of moral issue that, man, your, your conscience is such that I just, I just can't leave this undealt with for the next pastor to have to confront week one. Uh, how do you, should you go about handling that? Uh, you should be working with your leadership that's in place uh, that's there. I actually had to deal with a moral issue uh, amongst some congregants in, uh, in, a, in an interim early on that um, required me to access the leadership team. They didn't have elders. Uh, if you're in a structure where you've got lay elders as well as staff elders, that makes it a little easier to handle these. When you don't, you have to work through the, the process that the church does have in place. And we actually had to do that. We had to walk through this process of church discipline with a couple that uh, were engaged in some um, very immoral activities and be able to address and confront that, had to call a special business meeting of the congregation. It, it was rough and it was difficult to embrace this, but to try to lead well, to help the church stand for truth and to stand on the authority of the word of God. That's what we have to do. And so we're going to lead the church to deal with those uh, those situations as we can. As it comes to preaching as interim, let's talk about the pulpit ministry. Obviously, as interim pastor, that's probably the primary way you're serving the church, the Correct. pulpit ministry, uh, just like the primary way the regular pastor serving the church is through the pulpit ministry. You know, bringing consistency and stability to the pulpit is key. And this is where not only prayerfulness and an awareness of God's Word comes into play, but also a sense of what is the church confronting. And yet to be mindful of what previous pastors have preached on mm -hmm. or how they've preached, and also mindful of what is before the church. So if you have a church that uh, that, that perhaps there are real issues of disunity, then maybe you want to preach on issues of unity. If you have a church, the previous pastor, maybe let them drift theologically, maybe you want to preach something, uh, a series on core doctrines of the faith. 
But it, I think it's key, and, and, and I want to hear you elaborate on this, John Mark. It's key not to underestimate the centrality of the pulpit, even in the interim. Would you agree? Absolutely, 100%. One of my first interims uh, as I came in, the, the search team had actually determined they were not going to have an interim. But then after three sermons in a row on John 3.16 from random guys, uh, they realized very quickly this is not going to go well. So this consistency of expositing the Word of God. So the number one thing for me as I work with churches is I'm going to come in, we're going to study the Word of God together. We're going to exposit the text. Uh, We're going to walk through verse by verse. There's nothing flashy about that, but what it does is it confronts many of the issues that are in the congregations. After listening and trying to find some things out about the congregation, one of my go-to books that I like to see preached during an interim is actually the book of Ephesians, which highlights the person of Christ and then situates the relationship that the church has with the broader world and culture in relationship to Christ, and then has practical outworkings for the for the believer. We're walking through that verse by verse. It's infinitely practical. It helps us understand the nature of worship, the understand the nature of the church, and understand the nature of what we're supposed to be doing as individuals. It's a perfect way to do that. Um, I've also found that the Sermon on the Mount is a great way to press in on um, many of the challenges that we face in the 21st century as individuals. Again, consistency, preaching throughout, and allowing individuals and churches to be able to experience what, what that is. In many cases, uh, in times of transition, not all, but in many of the ones that I've served in, unfortunately, it's not been a smooth transition. Usually the person has been let go or there's been some sort of difficulty, which then the quality of the sermons leading up to that event often have been very, very poor, for usually for a season or longer. So being able to get in and provide just consistent biblical exegesis, this people rise up to that. And they, they're, because it's, we're feeding them what God tells us we're supposed to feed the sheep, right? The word of God. So then the people rise up and embrace that. Game changer, 100% game changer. So I'm talking to people listening to this podcast who may currently have the opportunity or will one day have the opportunity to be an interim pastor. Uh, I'm big on it. I have loved doing it for, again, several churches now over the years. Again, it has to comport with one's life schedule and season of life and season of ministry. And so um, getting to Jackson, Mississippi uh, several times a month isn't the easiest commute, but I have found it <laughs> so personally rewarding to, yes. to minister to God's people there. And so I guess for you, I, you know, for, for you listeners here, I, I'm hoping you get a sense of, of my appreciation and Dr. Yates' appreciation for the interim pastor himself. That right. role, that work is noble and good. And so I guess, John Mark, maybe just elaborate a touch on kind of sweet moments you've had. I'm not looking for cute stories per se, but 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 why looking back on these interims, why you found them so fulfilling, so enjoyable, and uh, and why you're you're up for one again in the future. <laughs> one of the things that, uh, that I love is just a, a great story is some of the the young adults or youth that uh, you start preaching and you become their pastor, when you think of uh, an interim, it's going to be a, probably at least a year, maybe longer, depending on the on the church. You're really connecting with, with individuals in the church. I remember one y- young man in particular, as uh, we began to uh, go through the process early on, um, we really connected as far as almost a mentoring type of relationship. Every Sunday he was like, okay, I have a question about this. Okay, I have a question about this. Tell me about this. And so seeing this aspect of discipleship, even though I was only there on Sundays, and even though those interactions were brief and small after service, but to see that grow and then to watch him now uh, kind of wrestle with a call possibly to ministry. 
that's something that's absolutely phenomenal. And I would have never been able to see that or, or have that uh, take place in any other way unless I was able to serve in that, that framework. I love things like that. You know, and I'll, I'll speak here personally as well, going to Jackson, Mississippi over the course of, say, the past year. For me, I tell people it's a little bit like going home every 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 mm. time I'm there because Jackson's not that far from Mobile, Alabama. So there's an added kind of cultural sweetness. Look, I'm from the South. I'm a man of the South. I love the South. I'm not trying to get over my Southern background. The South, like every region of the country, has its warts and its challenges, of course. So I, it's not that the South is better than the Midwest or better than the North, but for me, it, it's just nostalgic every time I'm there, frankly. Right. And there's a sweetness there, but also there's a sweetness to Southern culture ministry. And there's a certain um, desire oftentimes in Deep South churches of a warm relationship with their pastor. It's more than just, okay, can he preach or not, or can he lead or not? It's more than kind of the objective kind of criteria of faithfulness, but also just they want to know your name. Right. They want to know your personality. They want to know when you say you're going to pray for them, you're going to pray for them. They want that. And to me, I, I love that. In addition to the pulpit ministry, getting to preach to the same people consistently, getting that that getting those opportunities to rub shoulders with, to actually know people's burdens, know their concerns, and to experience real life ministry. Look, I'm, I'm working, you know, a zillion hours a week here at Midwestern Seminary, loving every hour I'm giving. But at times, given the demands of my responsibility, it can have me one step removed from just the, the grind of local church ministry. Right. And it's helpful for me, indeed, almost therapeutic at times to go from whatever the institutional challenge or season of busyness is to know I'm doing the real person who's dealing with a real health crisis or a real spiritual crisis, and to have that outlet to minister to them can be particularly rewarding for me. Absolutely. And, and that, as a faculty member, I think has always made me better in the classroom. I, I'm fresh off the field. I'm fresh off of what's going on. I, I'm seeing with my own eyes uh, challenges that congregations are facing. So as a faculty member, that I believe that's always made me a better faculty member, serving and training men and women who are called by God to serve the local church, because I'm working in the local church more intimately than perhaps I might if I was just attending uh, one of the local churches here in town. That's good. You know, and I'll just kind of pull this together as you have led us so so capably in this conversation towards the natural end. For me, it harmonizes with Midwestern Center being for the church. Absolutely. It's who we are. It's what we do. Uh, we want to serve the local church. We are for the church. And so for me, in my own little, you know, small corner of the kingdom, getting to model <laughs> that uh, in, in a tangible way and brings me joy to see other profs here and senior staff members and just really members all across the seminary community uh, being engaging in serving local churches, pastors, interim, a Sunday school teacher, choir member, nursery worker, et cetera. So That's right. the, the ministry of the interim pastor, the preacher as interim, it is a worthwhile endeavor. It is a good and noble ministry. And if God has opened that door for you, our listeners, I say, you know, explore that and, uh, and don't be reticent to walk through that door if, uh, if God is leading you to it. Dr. Yates, thank you for the conversation, for being with thank me you. on Preaching and Preachers. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, please visit my website, jasonkallen.com.